Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we are finally going to talk about Instagram and Bookstagram. We've had a lot of requests for folks wanting uh, us to cover Instagram on the podcast, and I have been waiting to find the right guest because I see a lot of people doing Instagram uh, poorly. But to give you an idea about the, uh, our guest, uh, Nadine Brandis, my wife follows her on Instagram and was so pumped about her latest book, Romanov, that we pre-ordered the hardback copy. And I now have a hardback copy of her book, which is amazing. And this is a big deal, particularly because my wife is a very particular book buyer. She prefers to get classics from the library. So Nadine is um, one of the select few authors that I feel uh, does Instagram well. She has the novel marketing stamp of approval. And she's the author of Fox, Romanov, and the award-winning Out of Time series. And she currently writes for HarperCollins Publishers and geeks out over the Lord of the Rings, British Tea, and doing cozy things in the name of book research. Nadine, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much. I had no idea that your wife pre-ordered my book due to my Instagram. What a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, she's part of Nadine Nation. So tell us, how did you get started with Instagram? Well, I wish I could say I had this huge marketing plan and I jumped in, but really I started because I wanted to connect with readers and I lived in a place that was in the middle of nowhere and there were no readers. And so I found them online and I joined before I was even an author because it looked like fun. So I wasn't published yet. And then I slowly found the Bookstagram community, which is just the community that's obsessed with books and all their photos are books. And I thought, I have books. I like to read. (laughs) I'm going to take photos of them. And it was kind of history from there. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. People who do social networks well tend to have joined them for the sake of the network itself, where it doesn't feel like homework. It doesn't feel like this obligation. It's like you wanted to do Instagram for its own right. And then using it as a marketing tool kind of grew out of that rather than like, oh, I got to go sign up for Instagram now because some guru told me to. Yep. I made the mistake of doing that with other social media platforms when I became an (laughs) author, and I think it probably shows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So how do you how did you grow your Instagram following? So you sign up for Instagram and you connect with your, you know, 20 friends or 100 friends are on Instagram already. But how did you grow to the tens of thousands of followers you have now? Um, I mean, really, it came from making friendships with um, people who had the same interests as me. So I knew that I wanted to connect with readers. Once I did get my publishing contracts, um, I was looking for people just who enjoyed books and um Fast forward a couple years because my account grew very slowly. I think I've been on Instagram for maybe five or six years and... um it was pretty slow at the start, but then I I found fellow book lovers and in the Bookstagram community, there are um, they do a lot of things that allow you to connect with other readers, like photo challenges, um, where you post a photo with a book. Um, there's like a prompt for a type of photo to post every day of that month, and it's usually book related. So I would participate in that and then meet people through those hashtags or through that challenge. Um Also, posting consistently was a big one, just continuing to be present. 
But one of the main things I did to grow my account once I realized that I did want to use it for marketing as well as for the relationship aspect was constantly observing bigger accounts that had the same mindset as me. They loved books. They wanted to grow and watching what they did and working on my photos and taking notes of which types of photos did well and which ones didn't. So really studying um, how to be more successful with what I posted without just diluting it with promotion or being too spammy. Copying the big dogs is a solid strategy and it doesn't <laughs> just work in Instagram. It works in a lot of places, especially if you're you're measuring to make sure it's working for you because there's some techniques that only work for the big dogs, but most of them will work for a beginner. But we, we threw out a bunch of terms there. I want to kind of put a pause in and make sure we define these for folks who have no idea what we're talking about. So let's start with Bookstagram. What is Bookstagram? Is it a separate website or is it a part of Instagram? It's a part of Instagram. It's basically a community within Instagram that is all about books. And the word bookstagram came from a hashtag um, that is used a lot on Instagram. It's used with photos that have books in them. And the accounts that call themselves a bookstagram account are usually accounts that have photos about books. They're all about books. It's like a giant book club. And um, it's that's great for authors because number one, we're also book lovers. And number two, we know that that's where we can find our readers. All right. And what is a hashtag? Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A hashtag. um, It's when you use the pound sign in front of a word. And when you click on that, it will usually take you to a page that shows all of these other people that have posted something also using that hashtag. So if you were to click on the hashtag books on Instagram, then you would see hundreds and hundreds of photos of people who have posted photos that are related to books. And that's a great way to find new accounts or connect with other people who are doing the things that you're doing. So you can look up hashtags related to all of the things that you love. It doesn't have to be books. It could be coffee um, and connect with people who are posting about the same thing. Yeah, it started in Twitter is where the hashtag started. And I remember being a little perplexed why they were called hashtags until I was teaching a class at a writer's conference on uh, Twitter and how to use Twitter effectively. And we were talking about hashtags and I'd always explain it the way you did. You know, it's the pound sign because in American English, (laughs) that's what we call it. And this British lady was so confused when I would say the pound sign (laughs) because in British English, pound is a currency. It's the little L with the lines through it. It's instead of the little dollar sign that we have above the four on their keyboard. And and she, she, you know, she was so confused. And finally I showed her what it looked like. And she's like, oh, you mean a hash mock? It's like, That's what they call it. They call it a hash mark. And so the hashtag comes from the Queen's English, not American English is where the the term came from. But it it works the same way regardless of the social network. It's basically a way of adding a keyword to your content that connects it with other people, even strangers that are also using the keyword on the content. The most famous Twitter way to use a hashtag is to uh, respond to a current event, right? You're watching a political debate or you're watching a sporting event. That sporting event will often have a hashtag or often I'll have three hashtags. Actually, I'll have a hashtag for each team and then a hashtag for the game itself. So if you just want to talk with your team and not mess with the people from the other team, you just use your own hashtag and it connects uh, that way. I'm learning so much from you right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, the history of the hashtag, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, but let's get back uh, to Bookstagram. Uh, now, you started off as an Instagrammer. You were posting selfies and and photos that you were taking. Um, walk us through that pivot to becoming a Bookstagrammer. Uh, how did that happen? And what did you start doing differently to kind of become a quote unquote Bookstagrammer? Yeah, I started, um, I mean, I noticed that I kept following accounts that posted photos of books and I thought they were beautiful and I wanted my account to look that way. Um, and it's pretty easy to exhaust selfies and photos of coffee. So eventually I ran out <laughs> of things to post that weren't books. And I had all of these books that I loved or wanted to read. And so I eventually started wanting to post about them. And then, of course, as I became an author, I was able to post about my books and connect with people who read something similar. So my first series was dystopian and Hunger Games was the big thing at the time when I was writing my out of time series. So I would connect. I saw people posting about Hunger Games and thought, well, maybe they would like my book when it comes out. So I started taking photos of the books that I was reading and then connecting with fellow readers. And then when I started posting about my books, they were interested in it because I had built relationship with them um, already. And so that's kind of how I got started in the bookstagram side of things. And I have so much more fun taking photos of books than myself. I've just stayed there. (laughs) (laughs) So and I think an important thing to underline here is that bookstagram predominantly is readers, not authors. And I would say, especially in the early days, but I think still the top bookstagram accounts are people who read books and are passionate about a certain type of book. I was looking, there's this thing called deep bookstagram of like really obscure genres of like 80s horror, like really weird horror books. And like there's there's a crazy like the world of bookstagram goes very gets very weird on the edges, (laughs) the periphery. But these are not (laughs) authors for the most part. Some authors and I think you're a good example of an author who started doing this early. Mm hmm got into bookstagramming, but it's not just about posting beautiful photos of your own book when it comes out. You you were posting photos of other people's books. Yes, um, a lot. In fact, when my book Fox was coming out, my publisher sent me an email and they're like, we love your platform. We love your Instagram, but can you please post about your own book? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so used to posting about other people's books and, you know, I was kind of nervous about the self-promotion side of things that I didn't want it to, to clog up my account, which it didn't, um, thankfully. And where do you get um, books to p- feature on Bookstagram? Are you only covering books that you went out and bought yourself or are you getting sent free books? Um, now, because my account is larger, I am sent a lot of free books. Um, I do get to say yes or no, I don't want these. But when I first started, I was posting my own books and you don't have to own a thousand books to be a bookstagrammer. I, you know, I had a small collection and I just kept posting about those. But, um, now I have been reached out to by, um, either other authors want to send me advanced copies of their books. And that's always a lot of fun because then I get to read it early. Um, but also there are different book related businesses that will reach out to see if I'll be an affiliate and they will send me books to feature or their book boxes to feature or some sort of bookish related item that I agree to feature on my account. Because Bookstagram is a small slice of this bigger world called influencer marketing, which is going to celebrities basically and paying them to talk about your product 
on social media, right? So when a top celebrity, you know, posts using makeup or wearing a certain, you know, fashion item, they may be paid as much as $100,000 for that post. And there's a whole world of that. And Bookstagram is just a small sliver of it. And I will say this is where social media marketing is used by big corporations. They're reaching out to people with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers and paying them to promote products. So those things that you see the celebrities promoting, they're often have never used that product, (laughs) especially the bigger the celebrity, the less likely they are to have ever used the product and the more likely they are to have been paid um, to, you you know, for that promotion. And they're basically just a a channel for advertising, like a TV channel or a radio channel. And uh, Instagram, I feel like is the biggest place for that, which is fascinating because Instagram is the hardest place to directly promote like a website, right? You can't be like, click here to buy the book on Amazon typically, right? Like they, they, they just see the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. When you do reach a certain amount of followers, and maybe this has changed or maybe it will change, um, but once you pass having 10,000 followers, you are allowed to add a link in your stories. So you can say, swipe up to purchase the book. And um, that does make a big difference for the bigger accounts being able to bring in a bit more on the monetary side of things. Um, but when you're still a smaller account, it's, it is a lot harder because you're allowed one link in your bio. And there are, there are hacks. You have that link go to a page, a link tree that's got a whole bunch of other links, but it's still, it, it's a limitation that you have to work around. Mm-hmm. Which is actually a good thing. I'm going to jump in, um, in my opinion and in the Bookstagram community's opinion, because Instagram has been considered one of the last pure social medias, although it's kind of getting more and more diluted with promotion. But because it doesn't allow all of these links and all of this um, easy promotion, it keeps it more personal. And that's something that's very important to the Bookstagram community. So the promotional side is a really tricky line to walk um, as an author. That's right, because Instagram is very human, right? People are posting with their own, not just their own name, but also their own face. And I noticed that you have your own face on a lot of your Instagram posts, right? You're Sometimes you're covering up part of your face with the book, but other times <laughs> you can see your whole face or even your own child's face. Where, you know, b- babies are very popular on Instagram. Uh, so, you know, if you, if, as I scroll through your posts, I can see your baby getting older and older, <laughs> able <laughs> yep. to do more things. We have our, our kids are a very similar age, which is very fun. And my wife uses Instagram as well, but she has her account kept private. So, you know, for her, Instagram is like the one very private place to share photos, mostly with uh, friends and family. And I feel like you're right in that Instagram is very human in that way. And so you have to be very uh, understanding of that culture. It's not a place to carpet bomb links to your website. Not that really any social network is a place to do that. Like, even though you can do that on Twitter, like there's nothing technologically keeping you from doing it, it still doesn't work. Like, that's not how you use social media. Social media is very kind of indirect. It's very gentle. And it's not um, it's not as effective for a lot of people because of that, because that kind of long relationship building process is one that doesn't work for them for whatever reason. Uh, But it is working for you, right? You have a very kind of consistent kind of book that you feature. Is that something that you recommend for bookstagrammers to kind of have a brand where they're only doing a certain kind of book or just promote any book that somebody wants to send you for free? I would say, especially if you're an author, um, 
promoting books in the genre or age group that you write for is really important because those are the readers that you want to attract, the ones who are going to buy your books. Um, so I promote mostly young adult books because that's mainly what I read and that is what I write. And so those who follow me, that's usually what they read and what they expect to see from me. So yeah, I tend to stick to the young adult side of books. Um, but I did, I did kind of hit this point with my account where I realized that my followers wanted to see more of me and just more about my life. And that's why you've seen, I mean, if you scroll through my Instagram, you'll see maybe a year ago, there were not as many photos of me at all. But then I started posting a photo of me and kind of talking about more of my life and my writing process. And I was very surprised to see those um, being becoming more of the successful posts than if I were to post about a new release, um, not my new release, but somebody else's new release, or just other books that are popular. Um, my account kind of made this shift where I realized that my followers and readers who were following me were more interested in me and my life and my books than necessarily everything else that I was posting. And that just showed that the relationship that has been built over several years is um, kind of the it has become the foundation of my account and of my followers. And I feel like it takes time to earn that. You don't start off with people caring about your personal life. I, I, this is something I've actually been navigating as well with the podcast, because for the first five years of the podcast, I was convinced no one cares about my personal life. And the only times I would talk about my personal life is when they had some marketing implication, right? Like I wanted to start going on dates, but in order to go on dates, I had to write this blog post so that people wouldn't see me as Mr. Courtship and it blew up and went viral. <laughs> and, so, and then I got all this hate and all this attention, right? So I did talk about some personal things that happened in my life, but it, it hasn't been until really the last six Six months or so that I started asking fans, like, do you want to hear personal updates? And a lot of them have a lot of listeners been like, yes, we want to hear about what's going on. And I'm like, really, though? And so I still mm -hmm. like I mostly put those at the end of the episode. Right? It's like if you don't care, you don't have to listen. But um, I, I've really been surprised that, that people care to hear about, you know, my baby and, you know, things that are going on in my life. And I feel like that's something that you, you in a sense, the, as more people follow you, more people get curious, I think, is what happens. And um, so that's and you can't become famous for doing that, right? You have to already be famous for people to be curious. And I think it's easy to get that cart before the horse. And again, talking about the big dogs, right? You're following the big folks. That's one of those things that you can't copyright away, right? Like, oh, here's all these photos of me. It's like, I don't care. I can see photos of all kinds of people. Why should I see photos of you? Yeah. And I see a lot of authors who jump on Instagram and they're growing very small accounts um, and they kind of start with a lot of, well, I'm being personal. Here's a picture of my dog. Here's a picture of me. Here's, a, you know, what I'm doing. And that's fun, but nobody is really interested in that yet. So it's hard to kind of wait until the right time to start posting about more of that personal stuff because nobody really cares. <laughs> Right. Although it does help to be pretty and it also helps to be a good photographer, like just straight talk, right? Like if, you, if those things help and if you see the people who are successful on Instagram, and we've talked about this on the show before, they do tend to be good photographers and they do tend to be pretty. It's not universal, but it really helps when you look good in uh, the selfie. Um, speaking of photography, uh, do you use a special camera? Are you taking photos with your smartphone or do you have like a DSLR that you're taking photos with? Um, I do use a camera. Um, it's a, 
now I'm trying to remember even what it is. Um, it's a Nikon D3200 and, um, it's, it's not, you know, the newest camera on the block. I had that a long time ago. I don't even remember why I got it, but, um, I have used that for my Instagram photos. And then within the past couple of years, I got a much nicer lens to be able, um, my, my kind of theme on my Instagram is a book in front of my bookshelves. I'm whole, I'm either holding it up, um, with my hand or it's propped up on a table and the bookshelves are in the background. And I want the nice blur. Um, and that really changed. Uh, that was kind of a shift in when my following started to grow a lot more because my photos did look more professional. But I do know several Instagrammers who are successful Instagrammers and they just use their phones um, and they find a good backdrop or they use a good editing app and they're able to still grow their following. So I like to tell people you don't have to be a photographer to join Instagram and to do it successfully, but you do have to be willing to observe and learn how to make your photos better. Because my photos were terrible when I started and they've only gotten better as I've learned a bit more about my camera or I've learned a bit more about lighting and I've just had to keep my eyes open to educating myself about that. You don't have to become a photographer to join Instagram, but you do have to become a photographer to be good at Instagram. There we go. <laughs> and, and, and because, uh, you know, lighting is like the essence of good photography and, and your photos are incredibly well lit. And you have the foreground, the background lit, and that blur is really important. And so uh, and for those of you listening, I want you to really hear this, that this is kind of what helps make that pivot from kind of hobbyist Instagrammer to professional Instagram. These are the sorts of things um, that she's doing. And, and you don't have to know this specific... Um, camera, just realize it's the kind that you can put different lenses on the big blocky black kind, right? Like it's, it's, it's an expensive camera. It's not a $50, you know, bought it at Best Buy camera. This is a, a professional camera and it allows uh, you to do things that can't really be done on smartphones. Although smartphones are getting better. Like they're, the newer smartphones are able to put a blur on the background, but they do it often artificially. They're adding that blur with software. So the brand new iPhone, I was at the 11 Pro, which we just got. I got it for my wife because I wanted really good baby photos. Uh, <laughs> it can put the blur on it, but it's it's not a photographic blur like what you get with the DSLR. It's a software blur where they notice where the face is, and then with software they blur everything that's not the face in a really like crazy way that requires a you know thousand dollar phone's processor to figure out how to do. But the uh, camera is really important. But for authors who are not necessarily wanting to be on Instagram themselves, but they are wanting bookstagrammers to feature their book, right? Because you don't have to take, as the author, you don't have to be even present on Instagram to be present on bookstagram. Uh, what advice do you have for that kind of author who's wanting to get their book featured? Um, that is hard if you're not on Instagram, because my top piece of advice would be building relationship with those bookstagrammers, um, because it's such a tight knit community. But if you are not really on Instagram or not in that community, um, don't be afraid to ask and send a message, um, to, bookstagrammers whose accounts you would love to see your book on. But when you do be personal and at least look at their accounts, see what they post about, mention a photo that you like, you know, saying something that's personal to them because 
I had to reach out to bookstagrammers early when I was a smaller account and I didn't know hardly anybody. And so I tried to say, oh, I loved when you posted about this book and with the coffee, it was, it gave such good fall vibes. And this is what my book's about. I would love to see it on your account, you know, blah, blah, blah. But being personal. And I was very surprised um, to see how many positive responses I got from large accounts I didn't think I would ever even hear back from. Um, willing to feature my book. I was going to say, the bigger of an account you have, the more you get carpet bombed by PR people, lazy PR people who just send you the same message they sent the other thousand bookstagrammers that they reached out to. And it's this generic message about some generic book. And, you know, what do you do when you get that message? <laughs> it's like, next, right? You don't, you're not like, oh, thank you so much for this generic message you sent me. And by the way, that generic approach also doesn't work with podcasters. <laughs> if you're wanting to be a podcast <laughs> guest, don't be like, oh, here's it. And I'm going through this with a company that I like. And like, they reached out to me and they wanted to write a guest blog post. And I'm like, all you have to do is be willing to make this post for authors. <laughs> and they just can't do it. <laughs> like, that is a, like a bridge too far for them. Like, they can't wrap their mind around tailoring the content <laughs> for oh, our audience. And so I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you blog on, on my super popular authormedia.com. Like, it has to be <laughs> for authors. It's literally author media. <laughs> it's not media.com. It's authormedia.com. Um, so it, I think making a personal connection is, is really key. Uh, but there's some other elements that potentially are key. So let's just go through them and you tell me whether you think they're important or not. And the next one is the cover. Having a pretty cover. Is that important? Yes, that is huge. That is huge. Um, I can guarantee that if you do not have a professional cover, they probably won't even respond to your email or your message because it's easier to not respond than to say, no, I don't like your cover. I'm not going to feature it. Um, when I reach out to bookstagrammers to help me with a cover reveal, which I did for both Fox and Romanov, which thankfully they have beautiful covers, um, even though the cover was not public, it was top secret, I still sent it to them early before even asking for a response from them because I know that they would say no unless they could see the cover and judge it for themselves and see if they wanted it on their account. So this is one of those things, you know, for a long time when we've been paying for book covers, the only thought about place for the book cover is as a thumbnail on Amazon, right? Like that's, especially for indie authors, that's their primary mindset. But if you want to have your book featured on Bookstagram, you have to have the kind of book cover that looks good being held by a Bookstagrammer in an actual photograph. <laughs> like it's got to look good in the real world, not just as a thumbnail. Yep. So any tips on like things that turn you off from a cover? Is it one of those just like you know it when you see it or are there certain things that you're like, yes, absolutely or no, absolutely? Oh, uh, you kind of know it when you see it. But a big one that can either make or break a cover is the font. Um, it's so easy to tell if just a generic font has been put on top of the cover. And no matter, sometimes I've seen a really good cover and the font completely ruins it because it's not professional. They've just pulled it from like Microsoft Word and put it on top or whoever the designer was. So I would say font is a really big one. Yeah, topography. I remember when I first started interacting with professional designers, I was at a marketing agency and these are folks who spent four years in design school, you know, in college, and then they did design professionally. And they were so passionate about topography. <laughs> like it was something that like they spent years studying. And like, if you just threw a generic font on something, they, and the, this is web design where generic fonts are preferred for a lot of reasons, because 
uh, of how web design works that each person has to have that font loaded on their computer, or at least they needed to in the olden days. It's changed somewhat nowadays. You can be a little more adventurous with your fonts. But uh, even then, it was like, we got to, you know, the, the font itself has to communicate tone and emotion and purpose. And if you haven't studied design, uh, you are perhaps not qualified to give feedback to somebody who has when it comes to typography. This is one of those places where if you're going to hire a professional, you do yourself a better service relying on that professional's taste. Because I, I notice a lot of indie authors will get a good initial cover from their designer, but then they add all of this feedback that ends up making it worse because they don't know design. It's kind of like getting writing feedback from somebody who doesn't know writing, right? It's like, I haven't studied writing, but I think you need to add more adverbs here. You know, there's, you know, this isn't flowery enough. You're like, I don't know if that's actually a good idea, right? You have to, um, but the difference though, is that as the person who's paying the bills, you get the final say if you're indie published. It's actually one protection you have as a traditionally published author is that you don't get the final say. So everyone involved with the cover uh, has hopefully, and it really depends on your publisher, how savvy they are, been trained in design and they know what makes for a good cover and what doesn't. Yes, I learned that I have ter- I give terrible feedback. So with every <laughs> single one of my books, when I saw the first cover, I gave feedback, they made the changes, and it looked so much worse. And we always <laughs> went back <laughs> to the original design. And so I finally learned that, no, Nadine, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you're a photographer, like you're a successful, like you know how to make beautiful things. And even then, like being a skilled photographer isn't the same as being a skilled book cover designer and you have good taste right you know how to curate and look at a cover and be like no this would not be a good fit for my channel and yet even with good taste and with some design like cred you still don't have the ability to give good feedback on a cover and i think knowing that is so key because that your your covers are beautiful and and they you know they're they're attractive and but the way that you got there was by relying on or being forced to rely on by your publisher um, the the feedback of others and I think that this is and it was a little off topic but I think it's a really key point uh, that uh, any author can take into account it's like be be willing to admit your own weaknesses and rely on others who have strengths in those places where you have those weaknesses you'll have a stronger product overall if you do that yeah. All right. Uh, next aspect of a book, and tell me if it's important or not, it being in a hardback. Is there a bias towards hardback books amongst books to grammars? Uh, there is if you're in the young adult community. Um, they almost always prefer a hardcover. They will take paperback if it's an ARC, an advanced reader's copy that has not yet been released. Um, in other genres and age groups like adult, um, p- paperback's fine. I feel like it's... Um, the entire Bookstagram community has become more open to the different, um, both paperback and hardcover. But I do know that if you write young adult, they would prefer a hardcover. Interesting. One of the things that's so fascinating with me about book marketing is how each genre has its own little quirks. <laughs> and that, the, you know, the, there's things that work and don't work in romance that, you know, do or wouldn't work in sci-fi and, and on. Okay, next, uh, next one. How important is it that your book is traditionally published? Is there a bias towards traditionally published books in the Bookstagram community? Um, I don't know that there's a bias toward it, but if it doesn't look professional kind of coming back to the cover, then you have a much harder chance of getting it onto people's accounts. And it is more difficult to um, kind of 
get into all of those big accounts to have them feature you. But I've, as long as it's, you know, with any book, as long as it's a good book with a good cover, um, it will kind of spread naturally. And especially in the bookstagram community, if people read it and they liked it and they post positive things about it, um, it will kind of spread a little bit more like that wildfire. So, so it can work if you're indie, but you have to have that good cover. And sometimes it's hard to have somebody tell you, or people won't have the courage to tell you, hey, you don't have a good enough cover, right? No one wants to tell you that your baby baby is ugly. Some of the really, really large, like over 100,000 followers, um, Bookstagram accounts usually have deals or contracts with traditional published tradition, uh, traditional publishers, excuse me. And they usually won't take indie just because their schedules are so, are so full or because they have agreements with publishers. And that's the same with book boxes, which is a big, um, Instagram business that you'll see. Um, they do have agreements with traditional publishers, but generally if you kind of target bookstagrammers that are in that medium size range of followers, they, I don't think I haven't seen bias from them. Because this is one of the things that uh, traditional publishers do is they build networks of bookstagrammers where they go to the same folks over and over again. And, and potentially they're paying the same folks over and over again or they have those relationships where, you know, so and so author gets a free book or expects a free book every quarter or so from that publisher. And so they're not building the relationships from scratch. Right. If you're an indie publisher, at least with your first book pursuing bookstagram, you're having to build those relationships from scratch, assuming that people don't already know who you are. It does, I imagine, get easier, though, if, if somebody sent you a book for book one in a series and you featured it and you had a good response and they reach out to you again for book two. Is that a pretty easy yes for you? Like once you already have that connection made? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they enjoyed book one, um, then yes. Like with um, my two books, Fox and Romanov, um, all of the accounts that I sent Fox to were open to receiving Romanov, even though it wasn't a sequel. I'd already built that relationship with them. Yeah. So that's some something to keep in mind. The more you stay at it, the easier it is to get the same results, right? Because it was a lot easier to get your second book featured because you already had that connection. Maybe you already had their email address and they said, yes, much easier. And I imagine much faster too, right? So you sent the first book and it took like a month to get back to you. And then they're like, yeah, okay, we'll feature it. Second book, you're like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we already know who you are. Yeah. And something else to keep in mind is that some of the really big accounts, this is their business and it's important to respect that. Um, just giving them a free book is no longer good enough for a lot of the larger bookstagrams. Um, they might ask for compensation. And unlike a lot of um, kind of the other influencer marketing done through social media, it's like bookstagram was on the tail end and um, it took a really long time and it's still kind of an issue for bookstagrammers for them to be compensated monetarily other than just getting a free book. And so that's kind of a hot topic in Instagram. Um, in the bookstagram circles is trying to get paid for the promotion that they give to publishers. So if you are uh an indie published, you know, understanding that and respecting that and maybe setting aside a small budget to be able to offer that compensation to the larger bookstagrammers, they will take you a lot more seriously if you show that you see that they are also um, trying to make a living off of this following that they've made. 
That's right. And it's just one of the things to spend money on potentially. You know, it's an advertising expense, just like paying Facebook, except instead of paying Facebook or Amazon, a big faceless corporation, you're paying a real live human being (laughs) money to promote your book. And not only do you get them sharing it with their 100,000 fans, you know, photo of your book, but you also get a way better photo of your book made than you can likely make yourself (laughs) because you're getting, (laughs) right? Because by the time somebody is that big on Bookstagram, they are really good at taking photos, right? They're using a good camera. They know how to do it. They have the setup and you're going to get at the end, this beautiful photo of your book, which can be very rewarding in its own right. And to have somebody take that level of quality of a photo Uh, real quick before we go, I do want to change directions briefly and talk about authors who want to be like Nadine Brandis and become books to grammars themselves. Like I don't (laughs) want to just send other books to grammars my book. I also want to books to gram other authors books and become that curator, that kind of collector of beautiful books. Uh, What advice do you have for those authors? Um, I would say understand first and foremost, it's a community. And if you go into it with solely a business mindset, your account probably won't grow. And frankly, you probably won't even enjoy it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, go into it. And um, I think it's really important to enjoy what you're doing. I do Instagram because for me, it allows me to take a break from work. It's a positive thing for me. And it shows through your account whether or not you enjoy it or if you're just trying to do it for self-promotion. And then I would also say, be okay with growing slowly. Um, I was looking at some of my statistics and four years ago, I had 200 followers on Instagram. And then as I started to grow, it seemed to, it doubled every year. It went from 2000 followers to 5,000 to 13. And now I'm at over 20,000 and being patient with that follower, um, number growing over time. So I would say patience and being genuine on the platform. The first thousand is always the hardest because getting to your first thousand requires you to get outside of your own social network, right? It's possible to have 500 friends. For most human beings, it's not possible to have a thousand friends, which means getting to that first thousand means that you have earned the attention of someone who does not know you in real life. (laughs) And that takes practice and it takes And not just practice in the sense of getting better, but also practice in the sense of you just have to do it a lot and get a lot of content out there before you have the kind of content that spreads and earns strangers. But once you start to get some strangers, then you've learned how to get strangers. (laughs) And then the whole world is open to you if you're willing to be uh, persistent. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say, so uh, kind of big picture, right? People are hearing you and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to get on Instagram. I want to get on Bookstagram. Would you say that Instagram is for everyone or is this a technique that's only for certain authors, not for others? Um, I think if you, if you're willing to jump on it and try to enjoy it, it could be, oh no, I'm not, I'm going to say it's not for everybody. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for everybody. You you framed the question in a way that then was like, well, maybe. No, um, it's not for everybody. It works for me because I write young adult and the majority of the bookstagram community is rabid about YA. Um, there's still great appreciation for other genres and age groups. And I think that community is growing. But you, it's really important to know who your audience is for your book if you're going to go on to Instagram to use it for promoting purposes. But even if you don't go on there, there are services on bookstagram like bookstagram tours where um, you can submit your book for, you know, one of the things you could invest in. 
um, to one of these businesses. And then they have like five to 10 big bookstagrammers who will then post about your book for you. So you can still use it to promote your book, but you don't have to be on it. And what you said about ask where your audience is, is key because Instagram has a fairly narrow demographic audience. It's it's fairly narrow in terms of the, the makeup of it. And if your readers are in that narrow group, then Instagram can be huge. But if you're writing, you know, military science fiction for baby boomer men, Instagram is going to be a really hard place to reach those guys <laughs> because they are not on Instagram, right? Like yeah. you're a World War II book, your World War II book about the Battle of the Bulge and the tank technology, which could be a book that sells really well. It's not a book that's going to sell really well to an Instagram audience. <laughs> like, I don't care how beautiful that tank is on the cover. Um, there's just not enough of those people using Instagram uh, to make it worth it. So realize that Instagram skews younger, it skews more female. Um, in fact, it has one of the bigger gender disparities of any social network. I feel like Instagram and Reddit are the two kind of extremes uh, where Instagram is mostly women. Also, Pinterest is mostly women in the United States. It's different in other countries. And then Reddit is mostly men. Uh, Facebook's a little bit more balanced in terms of the makeup, but just just keep that in mind. And 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 the easiest here's a hack, right? If you're trying to decide if Instagram's for you, go to the readers you have already and ask them if they use Instagram, and if so, how much do they use Instagram? And if they're like, eh, I only kind of use Instagram. Don't use Instagram. <laughs> they have to be like, oh, I love Instagram. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I spend an hour there every day taking photos and looking at photos of of others. Now that's when you know, okay, maybe this is something I should experiment with. So so if this episode has stressed you out and you're like, oh my gosh, not another social network. I give you permission. Even Nadine gives you permission. You don't have to do Instagram. Um, but if you are curious, uh, this is uh, hopefully it's giving you an idea of, of how to get started. And real quick before we close, Nadine, do you have any other Instagram uh, tips? Any final final advice for somebody who's thinking about getting started? Um, I guess the biggest one would be be real or learn how much you want to share about yourself on Instagram, because that is really, really valued. And I can honestly say that by sharing, um, by being real, which doesn't necessarily mean sharing everything about my day, but by being a genuine person, when I comment about books that I'm posting about, that is what has grown my account the most. All right. And uh, where can, if people want to follow you on Instagram and they want to see how it's done by somebody who's doing it well, uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Nadine Brandis, which is probably another tip. If you're starting a new Instagram and you're an author, please make it your name. Don't make it something weird like, I don't know, numbers and underscores and things like that. When people search for authors, they want to look for your name. So my name, Nadine Brandis on Instagram, but you can also um, find me on NadineBrandis.com where I do have a newsletter. And we will have a link to all of those things. We'll have a link to her Instagram, her newsletter, and her uh, website. Our sponsor today is my brand new course, How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. Uh, podcast guesting gives you a high credibility way to reach new audiences. The influence of a podcast, uh, of somebody else's podcast without the work of starting your own and access to influencers you couldn't reach any other way. You don't need to hire a PR firm for $3,000 to get on podcasts. You just need to know the secrets of pitching podcasts yourself. And once you start nailing interviews, the podcasters will start reaching out to you to invite you to come on 
their show. Uh, I have been podcasting for over 10 years and in radio uh, for a lot of that time. And this course is packed with things I've learned the hard way and also things I've seen other people do poorly, pitching me to come on my show or my podcasts. And I put all of that in an easy to assimilate package just for you in this course. And for the month of October, patrons can save 80% on the course. And after that, they can save 50%. So if you'd like to learn more, you can find out at novelmarketing.com forward slash courses. And speaking of patrons, our featured patron today is C.L.R. Peterson, author of Lucia's Renaissance. Uh, in this book, heresy is fatal in late Renaissance Italy, so only a suicidal zealot would so much as whisper the name of Martin Luther. Uh, but after Luther's ideas ignite a young girl's faith, she must choose to abandon her beliefs or risk her life in a turbulent world of late 16th century Italy. CLR Peterson, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And if you would like to become a patron, you can find out more at novelmarketing.com. 